Hello and welcome to The Natural Evolution, produced by Rebel Health Tribe, a radio show focused on providing you with inspiration, education, and tools for true healing and transformation. I'm Michael, and I'll be your guide on this adventure as together we explore the very nature of the healing journey. We're live here, and it is another one of our Rebel Health Tribe community episodes, which actually have been the most fun ones to record, and I am here with Melissa, Melissa Tovar, thank you so much for for coming on and doing this. Thanks for having me. I can tell that it's going to be really impactful and helpful for people. And I just appreciate you openly sharing your story with us when we asked for submissions and honor all the work that you've done, because it's been no short journey for you. And uh, we, we can get right into it. So I think starting would be... Um, you grew up on a dairy farm, which uh, Melissa's in Wisconsin, and we spent some time chatting before we came on. I'm from Illinois, so I was kind of reminiscing about my trips up to Wisconsin to the forests and the lakes and coming home with bags of cheese and sausages. But uh, you grew up on a dairy farm. Yes, little family farm. Okay. Sometimes some of the episodes people had like, you know, they're 22 years old, and then all of a sudden their energy drops and they feel like how your stuff, everything that you've been dealing with pretty much as early as you can remember, right? I have like a, a pain disorder. Nobody exactly can tell me exactly what it is. But my mom said that before I was at the age of three, she would try to hug me and I would hurt. I would pull away. And I remember just always hurting. And eventually when I was like oh, 16, they said, oh, you just have fibromyalgia. Don't worry. You know, that's just the way it is. It affected everything. It affected yeah. family, it affected school, it affected everything. And this was just generalized pain? Your body just hurt? Yep, just generalized pain just to have somebody touch me. When I was in first grade, I actually told my mom that I wished I had cancer. And she looked at me and she's like, why would you say that? And I said, because either then they'll fix me or I'll die. Because I was so tired of hurting not being able to do the stuff that other kids did and just the drama within the family that it was causing was just too much for a kid. Yeah. And, and it probably felt like, you know, a hassle or a burden on everybody else and they had to deal with you and and handle your issues. Right. Like that was kind of how you. I'm the youngest seven. And then my oldest sister and I are 21 years apart. So she wow. had kids before I was even born. So I was an aunt for a year before I was born. And her second daughter and I are like three months apart. So they were always around. And it, so there was always a lot of people. And it was like. A I niece that was your own age that you kind of grew up with? Yep. One is older and one is the same age. Okay. And, and this was constant all the time or did it come in flares or was it? There were the days where it would hurt just to move. And then there was the times that if anybody would touch me, it just hurt too much. But so anytime anybody touched me, it hurt too much. And the doctors had nothing for that? No, I was told everything from she's faking it. She just wants attention to arthritis. I did have one doctor that tried real hard when I was growing up. Of course, he's passed away now, but... You know, he, he always felt that I had lupus, but the tests always came out negative. 
but he he's always very caring and considerate about things so that's something that I think gets overlooked often. I know a lot of really good practitioners who are excellent with lab tests and with diagnosis and with treatment plans and things. And then when they interact with their patients, it's very clinical and it's very um, mechanical. And I think that like, even though it sounds like that doctor wasn't really able to figure out exactly what was going on or get you out of pain or anything, that there was a benefit there just from him caring right and like seeing you and acknowledging you know what was going on i think a lot of people out there listening who have had pain conditions i'm sure every single one of them at some point has been told that it's just in their head yep pretty sure like, like when the doctors can't figure it out that's what it goes to it's always just in your head or it's psychosomatic and and there is truth to things being psychosomatic but the way that it's presented to them puts it on them like you're creating this and um to have a doctor see you and understand and really be caring and try to do what they can do is worth its weight in gold from my experiences. Obviously you want the results to be there too. And I think just being seen like that. So that was, I mean, you're pretty much your whole childhood was in this pain condition. Like that went through high school that went. But to not even now, now. I still have a lot of the pain problems. Okay. We'll we'll get more to that in a little bit about now and like what you've done and, and where it's at now. But you went to college in Milwaukee. Yep. Was going to college there after uh, I went to Marinette for a little bit to move to the big city because our town is only 350 people. So I wanted to try and I had complete culture shock when I went down there. Um, ended up, you know, meeting lots of different people. It was, it was an experience. Um, unfortunately, I was a little naive and um, ended up being raped at one point. Um, thought I did pretty good with that. And then over the years, um, had, you know, car accidents when I was 16 actually I had one of the worst car accidents I had and that affected things oh yeah I'm still having issues with that you know when I was 16 we had that car accident and I had severe whiplash and concussion and like two and a half days afterwards I started having tremors and shaking and to this day like if I go to the chiropractor and get my neck or spine adjusted it will cause me to start shaking. Nobody can tell me why. And the electrical feeling in the spine and things like that, that's just been there since that car accident. So we're still trying to search. Dr. Meyer helped me some. They found if they give my neck traction, it makes it better. They can pull me out of certain things. Interesting. But we don't know what it is. I mean, I just had some sitting MRIs done and they found that I've got like eight bulging and ruptured discs throughout my spine but that doesn't exactly help with the the shaking. Dr. Meyer found me a a quantitative EEG because you know everybody's telling me it's in my head so I thought well this should show up different colors it should you know give me some direction and so when I talked to the gentleman in, in Waukesha, he said, well, you know, we can try it. I actually brought an electric toothbrush because that will cause me to start having them, the vibrations. Um, so we just did, holding it or putting it in your mouth? Putting it on my gum, in my mouth, wow. on my gum. 
So whether that's the trigeminal nerve yeah. or what, we don't know. But um, so he kept it running. And he said at first it was normal. And then he said he's never seen anything like it. So he sent it out to um, Nevada and it came back. And that gentleman said that it's not pseudo seizures. He says there is something definitely different going on. But so far the doctors around here, they're doing the, oh, it's, it's psychosomatic. You're causing it. Even though the psych world says, no, there's something wrong. So because they can't figure it out. And that's all since the accident at 16. Yep. Okay. So there's the accident. And then obviously I've seen what pain conditions can do to a person in a short amount of time from a mental standpoint and emotional standpoint. And like, I can only imagine what it's like to go through it for a decade as a kid and, you know, your whole childhood and then the car accident and then the experience at college and there's a lot there. Like that's a lot for a young person to carry and to, to have. And did you stay at college? Did you leave Milwaukee? I was going to UWM and then I transferred out to the tech school and I got um, an associates in accounting and an associate in business with management. And then I ended up actually working for the state of Wisconsin in the department of corrections. So that was interesting. You know, that was, you never knew what you're going to find you know, happen that day, but, but eventually I got married week after got married, that turned to complete hell in a handbasket, got divorced about two years later because of the abuse that was in that situation. I ended up in the hospital, um, tried to commit suicide, almost succeeded. They said that, uh, another minute or two, if my mom wouldn't have found me, it would have been done. Um, and this, this was 2007. Yep. Yep. Married okay. in 2006 and then 2007 in December when I attempted. And, um, so that was a road that was going in and out of the hospital. So I also had started to cut at that point because I felt nothing, never felt when I cut. It was like the only way I knew I was alive was by watching the blood come out. Um, and I know some people don't understand that, you know. Um, I'm one of, I didn't understand that. And then I started studying a lot of things around mental health and emotional health and trauma and, and self abusive behaviors and self-harm and that's pretty much uniform what everyone says about it is that it's the only way they would feel alive and it's the only way they could tell they were alive it's the only way they could feel anything it's the only connection to being alive right um and, I, I went to work every day and nobody knew but I mean I there was days I would go into the bathroom and I would open up my wound until I would start to feel dizzy from the blood loss and I was like okay I'm alive I'm, I'm okay and I'd go back out there and do my job and um, at one point I've lost over half of my blood supply um, but I haven't since 2010 I haven't cut except once I had one screw up um, but so I had like six stitches but otherwise I've been doing pretty well on that and that I you know that that's something that comes and goes it's not, it's not Have something you been working that, with somebody like mental health 
professionals, therapists, counselors, like has that been involved in your journey at all? I was involved with that a lot after the suicide attempt. And even when I was younger, um, after the car accident, because I had become really depressed and just not myself. Um, I had started to see somebody then. Um, but in 2007, after that incident, I was in and out of the hospital a few times. And eventually the psychiatrist told me, he says, Melissa, you need to go home. He says, you've got the tools. He says, you're not meant for the city. He says, you need to go home to the country. And he says, I think you'll heal fine and you'll be fine. So I'm now off of all my psych medications. I'm actually, since working with Dr. Meyer, I've actually been off of most of my medications. So um, it's been a journey, but it's, it's still going, but it's, it's been better. Okay, we'll talk about Dr. Meyer and your approach there uh, in a minute. And um, that's your local doctor that you found that's been a huge help, well, local-ish, yeah. uh, Green Bay. How far is Green Bay from you? It's about 45 minutes. Okay. Um, in your, your story that you shared with us, it was when your great niece was born that helped kind of turn the lights on for you a little bit that kind of helped flip a switch in you that provided you with some hope and some, you know, yep. I held inspiration. her, I was there and I got to see her be born and um, got to hold her and they had made me her guardian in hopes that I would, that it would help give me a reason. Um, but holding her and seeing the wonder and just the whole birth process and just, at, at that point, I decided, okay, I'm going to do my darndest and I'm not going to cut anymore. Um, and she, that gave me the, the incentive, I guess you could say, because I wanted to be around to grow, see her grow up. And that was around the time you moved back from the city to the country. I moved back in 2011. And that was 2010. So the great niece was first, then you moved yep. back. Yep. So you had found this this source of inspiration, like really just, you know, kind of shifted your perspective on life in general and what's important. And it sounds like it's kind of the first time that some like hope and optimism kind of snuck in to the mix. And was there an immediate impact after that experience with your great niece to where some of the depression or the cutting or any of those things shifted or the depression got oh got better um the cutting some days it was really hard not to but um it felt like since i would think about her and look at her pictures and whatever it helped me it helped me push that feeling aside a little bit and to regroup you know, and this is why I'm doing this. This is this is what's out there. So it, it okay. just gave me some hope. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you head over to rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit. That's K-I-T. And grab the RHT starter kit, which includes a sampler of four free videos from our professional masterclasses and webinars, the RHT healthy sleep guide, the Wellness Vault coupon book, which will save you money on all of our favorite health-related tools and resources, a professional product guide, and a coupon for 15% off your first order in our shop. 
That's rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit, K-I-T, and you'll get all that delivered right away. Also, if you're on Facebook, we've got a fun, engaging, and supportive group over there as well with thousands of health seekers just like yourself. Just search for Rebel Health Tribe and you'll find us. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. I just want to honor like how hard all of that is and what you've been through. And I can't imagine some of those things. Like, I'm not going to pretend like, oh, I can relate to your story. Everybody has their own stories. Everybody has their own journeys. Uh, This is an exceptionally challenging one. And I just want to recognize that, that you've been through a really hard ringer and that I don't have anything else to say other than this, that it's, it's really hard. Like what you went through is really hard. And um, I'm glad that she was born when she was and that you made the decision to go home because it sounds like leaving the city was a really good call for you. Definitely. It's not where you belong. And I've been places where I don't belong and I've immediately been, you know, I know what it's like to be in a place where you feel like you don't belong. And like that just adds another layer of, you know, stress and anxiety and everything else. And so it sounds like she was born at the right time. You went home at the right time. And this is when, when you found Dr. Meyer. And how did that happen? <laughs> I was in one of our local hospitals with my walker um, really bad that day. And I walked into an elevator and there was a lady standing in there. And she said, you look horrible. And I thought, gee, thanks. <laughs> and um, she says, you need to see my chiropractor. And I thought, okay, you know, I need somebody anyway. So she told me his name, Dr. Christopher Meyer. She told me three times. I said, okay, I've got it. And I turned, pushed the button, and I, you know, got to the floor and I moved for her to walk out. And I looked back and there was nobody there. So I thought, okay, I'm hallucinating. <laughs> I've had cool. too much medication. <laughs> and I, so I left and his name stuck with me. And I thought, I, I'm sure it was just my brain screwing up. None kept, kept his brain, you know, his name is still there. I finally looked it up and he was real. So I walked in there when I made an appointment. And um, at one point he did ask me how I found him. And I told him and he started smiling. And he says, you know, you're not the first one to tell me that story. Oh. So I thought, well, that's. All right, let's let's get to work. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um, yeah, so that that's that's incredible, and that was 2016. Yep. So only five years ago, and you were using a walker. Was that from the pain? Was it from? That was from the pain, and I had I've had one spine surgery. Um, I've got a lot of degenerative discs and things like that. Okay, going on. So it was just basically helping with yeah, supporting you while you're around yeah. and mobile. And, and um, okay, and that probably wasn't easy to walk in there either. Like you've probably seen a lot of doctors, a lot of people, a lot of medical people, and um, oh yeah, it was. I was, you know, um, I just kept thinking maybe, maybe this one's going to help, and um, that was the best decision I ever made was to walk into his office. So he he's a chiropractor and it looks like he's into some interesting stuff. Um, I've asked before we even went on air, I've already asked for an introduction. So maybe we will be able to 
to talk to Dr. Meyer too. I think that would be fun. Maybe we'll have him on a podcast. Um, and in, it says in here that he introduced you to us. So I think that would be fun to what we're doing here. But you mentioned uh, NET, HRV, brain plasticity, meditation, or mindfulness, I guess, and breathing. Like just, there's a book out right now. I'm just going to throw in a plug called, I think it's called Breath. Uh, by James Nestor. He's a journalist and it shifted the way I view breathing and breath like entirely and how powerful that is to modulate the nervous system. And, you know, oxygen is important and often we're breathing shallow and it's only going in a little bit. So I'm sure that he was working with you on like breath mechanics and kind of yeah, using the breath to regulate your system. We started with the NET right away, the neuroemotional technique. You want to share a little bit about what that's like as a as a patient or going through it? What what he explained it to me, he says that every cell has a memory and that technique helps clear those memories. And through that, he used muscle testing. He's got certain that's meridians okay. and different things that he uses that he's been taught. And he would ask certain questions and then my body, you know, I would respond. Um and we just kept going from there. So there was no pain. There was no anything. If we would, he would ask me a question, you know, what do you want to work on today? And then some days I would start crying. But every time I would leave his office, I'd always felt like there was a weight lifted off my shoulders. And like, like things were clearer. So with his help, I lost 150 pounds because he's also a nutritionist. Wow. I'm sure that helps with the walking. Yep, I moved on to a, a cane, and then I try not to use the cane all the time, but I'm still not good on, you know, bumpy grounds and whatever, but. Um, 150 pounds is a lot of weight. You made dietary changes with him and lifestyle um, he, stuff. And he introduced me to Dr. Siemens book, The Deflame Diet, okay. and so I went all I could on that, started on the right supplements that he gave me and I just felt better but I know that the NET was a huge component to it yeah there's a lot of similar practices and modalities to NET and a lot of times it's very subtle when you're doing it it's like I'm not sure if anything's happening right now and then you kind of just notice over time like I'm not as reactive I'm not as depressed I'm not as anxious things don't trigger me as much like my body feels different my mm -hmm. internal experience of life shifts or is different and um, those things can be super profound for people especially I, chronic illness chronic disease because it it turns off the heightened nervous system a little bit I yeah. always felt that the vagus nerve mine wasn't working right. Okay. And so he uh, introduced me to Dr. Porges, I think it's how you pronounce it, yeah. with polyvagal, polyvagal, and been working with that. And then he instructed me to read the Dr. Deutsch book, um, "The Brain That Can Change Itself." And um, I'm bookmarking some of these as you're going. <laughs> I'm familiar um, with Polyvagal and Porges. That book is impossible to read, by the way. Um, his Porges book, Polyvagal, is written for like neuroscientists. I started to read it and I was like, uh, and then I found the work of a therapist named Deb Dana, who writes approachable polyvagal stuff. So if, if anybody out there is listening, there's a book called, I think it's 
polyvagal theory for therapy or something, and it's written for therapists, but there's a ton of exercises and things in it that it's approachable for the lay person, where Stephen Porges's book, um, if anybody hears polyvagal and goes and Googles Stephen Porges, he's a genius. They figure out something awesome, and he's a researcher. He's not a journalist or a writer, and his book is written by a neuroscientist. That's just how I'll put it. I got like 30 pages in, and I was like, man, if my brain is melting like this, trying to read this stuff, like this is not approachable. So don't don't jump right into Stephen Porges's book. I'm just throwing out a disclaimer. <laughs> but uh, that stuff's really important to understand because then you start to understand like the body responses that you're having mm-hmm. and why or how or some of the physiology behind it. And then more importantly, small little adjustments or changes you can make or actions you can take or exercises you can do or ways you can breathe right. that can shift that, right? Right. So um, after the the brain that change itself book, then that brought me into the brain HQ or the the games and things. So I started doing that and I started realizing, you know, my, my attention is better. I'm starting to, you know, my brain started to work better. Um, And then with Dr. Meyer teaching me how to breathe correctly to get my, my breaths better. Um, So like you said, so it's not so shallow. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we actually, he's a chiropractor, but we didn't actually do an actual adjustment until like 2018. Wow. Or so. well, I think a lot of chiropractors like chiropractic was their gateway to working with healing in general. So that's probably what he learned first. As you go to chiropractic school, you learn the adjustments, you learn chiropractic. And then so many of them get into so many different modalities and ways of healing that mm-hmm. half the chiropractors I know don't even do adjustments anymore <laughs> like yeah. it's not that they don't think they're valuable it's just that they focus their attention more on other things and that the chiropractic was like their gateway to to healing practices but it sounds like he's one that never stops learning no he he reads <laughs> if, if I, I if I could have 10 percent of his brain power it would be amazing but um, he was with me through the through the Lyme's disease, through the mold toxicity, through you know, he helped me through allergies. He's, I mean, the techniques and things that he's shown me has just helped so much. We'll put a link to his site too. Is that gbchiropractor.com? Yep. Okay, cool. That's the right guy then. Um, yeah, it's it that's and you you mentioned heart rate variability. Did you start? tracking that or what was if the... I started using the polar device he would he started mm-hmm. doing that in the office with me and then um kind of teaching you how to, how to modulate it a little bit the breathing and seeing mm-hmm. how it would change and and stuff like that and he got me with a polar device and now I also got the uh the aura ring I guess it's called yeah. the sleep monitoring and all those other yeah, things those are interesting because you'll notice uh your sleep quality goes down if there was like a high stress incident or something and it's not something you would usually notice and for some people getting that feedback of data that gives you like a, a physical thing you can see that says like hey you did too much yesterday and your sleep suffered because of it or you stayed up late last night and look how it did to your like for a lot of people that can be like a very valuable kind of like nudge or um, feedback too it's real-time feedback like what you're doing is it working or not Right. Um, Because heart rate variability is like a, 
the more they learn about it, it's it's one of the more important markers to to measure someone's like overall state of well-being. Like for athletes, they use it where if the heart rate variability drops, it shows they're probably overtraining and they're not taking enough rest or they're training too hard or whatever it is. And for people with chronic health issues, it's like the higher the heart rate variability goes, the better the state of wellness the person is in. The things that they're trying are working, like are, are their bodies responding to them. The one thing that I've also found is that I can use it for after I eat something, if my how my body changes and reacts to it, my heart rate, the variability will go down. If um, it's something that your body doesn't like. Right. That's interesting. Um, cool. There's, yeah, the, there's the aura rings, one way to do it. Uh, I use a heart math uh, device. Heart math is a really interesting organization that's been studying heart rate variability and heart mind coherence for 35 years. And um, their head of research, Dr. Roland McCready, did a presentation for our brain and neuro masterclass last year. And it totally blew my mind. Like there's way more to it than just heart rate. Like heart rate variability is cool. And the states that you get brought into that are optimizing that, uh, they've even proven in research studies that if you learn these practices of what they call coherence, which is probably what he was teaching you with breathing and stuff to like bring your heart rate variability to a higher level, mm -hmm. um, it can influence the heart rate variability or coherence of those around you. And so they did a study where they had, I think it was, I might butcher this a little bit, but they had six people at a table, three of them heart math had trained as far as how to do these practices. Three of them had no idea why they were there. They measured the heart rate variability on all six people. And at one point they gave an, a silent signal that the three people who didn't know what was going on, couldn't see it or hear it or have any idea that anything happened. They gave a silent signal to the other three people to put themselves into a state of coherence through the practices that they were taught. And the heart rate variability of the three oblivious people went up Wow! with theirs, like at the same time, because it's a proximity thing. And that our hearts are electromagnetic um, radiators, essentially, like they radiate electromagnetic energy. And that those fields interact with each other. And that that's why when somebody comes in a room and it's a certain type of person, you either feel this like incredible weird energy or uh, you're like, I got to get out of here. This is bad. And the same thing goes for rooms of people or places or cities or whatever. And they're starting to show that in the lab and being able to demonstrate it and show it like unequivocally, no argument, like this is what happens. And when he was showing me that, I just couldn't believe like that's it's so cool. It's like, it backs up with science, what certain traditions have been talking about for. And there, there's so much that, that they don't know yet. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's, it's amazing what they're finding out. And we don't need to know why something works either for it to work. That's why I think we get stuck on that a lot. This culture, mm -hmm. this society, like the, it doesn't, it's not official until like the scientists can explain to you the mechanism by where like acupuncture, for example, helps tons of people with pain conditions and other things. We're still only beginning to even barely be able to explain or understand how it works. And so there's a part of society that won't accept it. Yet my father-in-law had a debilitating shoulder injury recently, like where he wasn't able to use his shoulder. Now he's been seeing an acupuncturist two times a week for a month. His shoulder doesn't hurt anymore. Does he know how it works? No. Does it matter? No. <laughs> So it's cool. And a lot of these things that he had you going through are, are kind of on that line of like, we understand these things work. We're not really sure why. 
let's try this. And it says that by going through this and learning about these things, and this is what I found most inspiring of what you, you wrote to us, is that he helped me find the courage within myself to be my own advocate. Because of him, I found my voice and contacted researchers in Germany, doctors in England, physical therapists in California, uh, EEG specialists, and um, you've really become your own advocate. And, and doing your own outreach, learning your own things, reaching out to specialists and people that are doing things that you think could be helpful for you, right? Right. You know, the whiplash is so, it feels as though doctors write it off, that you should have it for a little bit, and then you're better and move on. And there's so much more to it than that. And so it's when I contact the, the specialist in Germany, and he sent me some stuff, and he's like, you know, we do things so different than you guys do. He says, if you were here, we would have you do all these different tests, but we know that in the United States, they won't do it. German medicine right. is very different. And, uh, you know, so I, and through him, you know, learned more things, read more things, um, learned about PRRT. Yeah, I didn't know anything about that. Um, What's PRT? Primal reflex release therapy, the type of a physical therapy. Um, that's the, I contacted the gentleman in California to find out if there's anybody closer. And, now I'm going, I travel down to Milwaukee twice a week. Well, I go down once and stay overnight and see him twice a week for that. And that's helped my muscles. You know, I wouldn't have known anything about that stuff if, if I had. Now you have the confidence and capacity to do this kind of research, to do this outreach, to talk to these people where I'm guessing there's a point in your life where like you would have never made that email or that phone call or. Oh, no, I, I, I was so. I want to say docile and and just do what they say. And you know, there was there was a point where I I actually went to the the uh, psychiatrist and I said I need you to test me. Am, am I you know do I have schizophrenia? Do I have you know personality disorders? What is going on with me? And they're like, you really want to be tested? I'm like, yes, test me, tell me. And so they did, and they're like, no you're, you're okay. I'm like, are you positive? <laughs> and like, yeah, you, you've got some health issues that, that you just need to keep searching. And um, so all these years later, I'm finally doing it. Some of my family thinks I'm a little, little off my rocker by, you know, all the things I've been watching and reading because they don't quite understand it. That's okay. But a lot of them also don't understand everything I've been through either. And they can't, and that's okay. Like, you know, you're on your own journey and um, we welcome everybody who's off their rocker around here. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really what we've tried to create is a community of people who are all off their rocker trying to figure out the stuff that can help them. And I've bookmarked a whole bunch of things here that like I didn't even know about. And there's so much out there. And I feel actually like I'm supposed to tell you about something because I think for your pain conditions or your, your body, it's, it's similar to what you just linked um, the PRRT is something called counter strain. It is a, it involves fascia. It works with the fascia and it's like trigger points. And I don't really know how to explain it, but I feel like it might be something for you to explore. I did a quick, I typed in 
trying to see if there was somebody there's somebody in Gunderson Wisconsin and um there are people in Milwaukee but um it's not something you have to do all the time and I've had a shoulder injury recently that I was worried I was going to have to have surgery on um the type of exercise I like to do is boxing and I couldn't raise my arm to here like it, my shoulder would hurt so bad and somebody said you got to try counter strain there's somebody in your town you should go see them and I'm like if it's a torn ligament or something nothing's gonna like nobody's gonna poke around on it and make it feel better I I, I know this I have a master's degree in exercise physiology I used to work in rehab I'm like don't tell me about some thing because they were like I don't know how it works it's like they poke on you and they touch things and then something doesn't hurt I'm like that doesn't exist <laughs> no and then I search and there's a guy like literally two blocks away from my house. And I'm like, okay, I have to go. Like there, there has to, I, I have no excuse. It's literally, I can walk there. And so I went, I've seen him three times over the last six weeks. And my shoulder pain is about 80, 80 to 90% gone. And it's low impact. It's not like doing physical therapy things. It's literally just kind of like trigger point mixed with what, and it works on the fascia and nerves and things. So just putting it on your radar and I'm giving a shout out to the counter strain practitioners out there. Cause I was super skeptical and um, I haven't, I was going to go get an MRI and go that whole route and whatever. And I'm just, I don't have to do that anymore. And I can do anything like I'm not limited. So putting it on your radar. Uh, if okay, you want to do you. some exploration, I think um, it's something that seems to be pretty effective in a minimal amount of treatments too. Okay. So it's not another thing to add that you would have to find your way to get to twice a week or anything like that. So just putting it on your radar, their website for counter strain does have practitioner um, really act like up to date, effective practitioner listings too. Cause some, I'll, I'll have to see the, my physical therapist, he does so many different things yeah, maybe he does it. about it. Cause he may, yeah, yeah. He does fascia work and cool. he's one of those physical therapists that you go there for your knee and yeah. he your entire body. Yeah. I've, I've run into that with this guy too. Yesterday, half of it was on my ribs and I'm like, why are you on my ribs? And he's like, did you have some sort of gastrointestinal issue since I last saw you? And I had food poisoning two and a half weeks ago for the first time. It was the first time I was like that kind of sick for 10 years. Yeah. And I hadn't told him that. And he was all poking around in my ribs and checking out my diaphragm and all these things. And he said, have you been sick? I'm like, dude, come on. Yes, <laughs> that's, I have that's been. the same stuff that Mark does. He's like, yeah. what did you do here? You know, what happened here? And, and you probably and, didn't even remember. And then you're like, oh yeah, I banged myself on this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's magic. There's body workers and manual therapists that are magic. So you now lost tons of weight. You're off the walker, you got the cane. You've done all this reprogramming work with the NET and you've done the heart rate variability and the, and the mindfulness, which mindfulness can be hugely beneficial for people struggling with any sort of conditions. It just changes the way you experience what's going on, really, is how I explain it to people. And you're in more control over your reactions and your how you see things. And um your pain, you said there's still some of the residual from the whiplash there. You still have a little bit of the pain. Um, to me, and I, you know, I'm not a, a psychologist or psychiatrist, but you seem to be in a pretty, I didn't know you then, 
I've never talked to you then, but it seems that on a mental side of things and emotional and like your just overall outlook is drastically different than it was five years ago. Oh, definitely. Definitely. The brain fog is better. Before you would wake up in the morning and it would be like, oh, I woke up in the morning, you know, and now it's like, hey, I woke up today. We're going to do this and that, you know, it's, it's, the outlook is definitely better. Not saying that there's not bad days, yeah. but um, I think overall, it's just a more positive outlook that there's, there is help out there. You just got to keep searching for it. And is there, was there a moment, like, was it that first session, like the first time you saw Dr. Meyer or like maybe the first time, like you noticed a symptom being better or the first time you noticed, you know, the scale moving, you got a little glimmer of hope when your, when your great niece was born and you moved back to away from the city, but it sounds like things really turned a corner when you started seeing this Dr. Meyer. And do you remember like a moment or a, something where you were like, oh my God, this might actually like something is helping me like I feel better or there's hope or like the direction has changed or anything like that do you remember uh kind of having an experience like that at all after my first visit with him and we went through everything and like I told him ask me whatever you want I'll tell you anything so I want to I want to fix this and um so we spent probably almost two hours I think that day and um when I left there was the first time that I actually felt like I have a tool now that is going to get me to the where I want to go. And the NET, after him asking certain things to my system and, and the way my system would respond, I would be like, that's not, that's not possible. You know, that's not right. But it always came back that whatever he was asking I don't know if that's going to make any sense to your viewers, but um, it the feeling of, of the weight being lifted off the shoulders. And somebody in your corner. Right. Somebody that was willing to take the time and walk with me through everything. And I didn't really have that before. Everybody wanted to shove me off to somebody else. The fact that he's opened my eyes to so many other possibilities, that's also a big thing. Because when you're down and you're depressed like that, you don't see the other the possibilities there really isn't any yeah it really um for anybody who's not dealt with depression and and I've talked more openly about mine on on other episodes I don't want to like hijack any conversation here um it is like wearing blinders mm -hmm. like and it's it's foggy blinders <laughs> like it's like you don't see everything that's outside of this and then what's in here is clouded as well and it's if if you've never experienced like severe depression uh amazing great awesome good for, good for you that's fantastic and if you have i'm sure you can relate to that description because it and i can relate to the oh i woke up today too um like kind of being disappointed and then having to deal with whatever that day was going to be just really looking forward to when i got to go to bed again <laughs> But then I, you know, like going to bed, but then you don't sleep good anyway. So then yeah, you're yeah, up yeah. anyway. Yeah, because my like, severe oh. depression was coupled with like pretty vicious anxiety and like panic. Mm -hmm. And that would come on at night. And so I would be exhausted all day because depression is exhausting. Like it's physically exhausting to your body and your brain and energy and everything. And 
at night is when my anxiety and like panic would kick in really hard. So then I would have trouble falling asleep. So I would like take a bunch of stuff to try to fall asleep or whatever. And then I would wake up at like two in the morning and then there'd be like the thought or the thing or the thing that triggers the panic or the anxiety or whatever I was stressed about. And then two in the morning becomes three in the morning, becomes four in the morning, becomes stressed out that I'm awake and I'm going to be tired again, becomes five in the morning. And then I would fall asleep, but then I had to wake up to do the things. And then I'm like, and it was a vicious cycle. It is. It's nasty. And it's like debilitating. And I was trying to work during that and take care of my wife who was sick. And like, it just, it's every single thing you do is hard. Like no matter how easy it is, I'm listening to a book right now, actually, that's pretty cool. That's called laziness does not exist. And she's a PhD that studies like psychological things and says that like, then there's a part in the chapter I'm listening to right now that talks about depression. And that when somebody is depressed, she went through the physiology of like what takes place in their body, like the body produces less energy, the body goes into less deep states of sleep, the body, the brain can't focus its attention very well. And like, it just named off all these things. And it's like, so the next time you think that somebody in your life that you know is suffering from depression is lazy and you want to use the word lazy understand that their brain isn't working that their body isn't working that they're not getting sleep that literally getting out of bed to take a shower for them is like exhausting and overwhelming and everything and please reconsider your use of the word when you're looking at people with depression so i just want anybody out there with depression to hear that so that was the one thing that when i was in the hospital after the suicide attempt I went in numerous times just because, you know, the doc got to know me a little bit that was there. And at one point they're like, his, his words to me were, Melissa, we've never had anybody quite like you come through here before. And I thought, okay, is that good? Or is that bad? And he says, well, you've never stopped working unless you're here. He says, that's kind of amazing. He says, and then at one point I had started a business during all of this. And he's like, do you have a website? And I'm like, yeah, because he didn't believe me. So I showed him the website and he's like, okay. And, and it was just, everybody does things a little differently, I guess. They all react differently. You know, now if I, to be honest, if I hadn't been cutting during that time, I don't know where I would have been. And I noticed some people that's going to sound really strange, but you know, when somebody asked me about the cutting, I told them the cutting is what actually kept me alive. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and I went in for stitches the one time and the lady's like, oh, you tried to kill yourself. And I said, no, this is just a cutting incident. And um, they actually called the police on me that night. And I'm like, I'm not suicidal. This is how I stay alive. And the police officer talked to another police officer right outside my room and they were making fun of me. Um, and he was telling the other guy about it. He's like, well, she should just go home and drink. You know, that's okay, what I that's, do. That's so much and I'm like, and okay, that's, Drink and no. eat your wife and do all those yeah. things that come along with alcohol. And at that point in my life, I was not able to say something to them about it. Now I would be able to say something to them. But, um, you know, it's just when I heard that and heard them laughing, it was just kind of like another, another kick. You know, they, they don't understand. And so many 
doctors and medicals, they just, they don't get it. And instead of asking questions to learn more about it, they just want to put it under the rug. And yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry that that happened to you. That doesn't surprise me. I wish it did, but it doesn't with mm -hmm. the cops. And, and um, I think a lot of it has to do with that our medical system operates in silos, like doctors aren't trained in mental health, they're not trained in psychology, they're not trained in anything that has anything to do with that, and then vice versa. The people mm -hmm. on that side don't know anything about like nutrition or health or anything else. And um, in the work I've been doing the last few years, there, there's one form of therapy that was really helpful for me that's called internal family systems or IFS. And it's based primarily around working with parts that like, when somebody does something like cutting or like drinking or whatever behavior or pattern, that's really a part of them that learned to do this thing in a way that was protective or supportive or like numbing or whatever it is, whatever the behavior is or the pattern is. He, he the founder has even worked with like serial killers and serial rapists and serial, like the worst criminals in the world who do the worst patterns of behavior and he's been able to work with them to find the parts that drive these behaviors. And he said, I've literally never found a part that wasn't acting out of love for the individual, that it was always an adaptation for people who do like violent crimes. Usually they were really abused as kids mm -hmm. and they have no control. They have no power. They have no power to control their environment. And so they become hyper power like it's to it's to make safe like for a part of them they believe that by doing these things they're controlling their world their environment like it's the only way and not i'm not defending serial killers by any stretch right, right. you found that these parts were always acting out of self-preservation out of protection out of keeping them alive and that it was actually a client of his that he was working with, he'll tell the origin story of really developing this form of therapy where he realized there are these like sub personalities that exist within us that, that do these things. And cause it often feels like I didn't even do that. Like you'll do something and then you're like resentful that you did it. And it doesn't even feel like you that did it. And there's often an inner conflict. And he's like, I was running into this a lot. And it was a client of his who her challenge was cutting. And he discovered this whole thing when the part that was doing the cutting like spoke up in the session separately from the girl. And it was like a shift in the voice. It was a shift in tone and he noticed it. And then he started working directly with this part to understand like what it was and what it wanted and why it was doing what it was doing and what, what they, the part and the girl, the team, was getting out of this behavior. And he discovered that it was a self-preservation thing. Like it was, that part was trying to protect her. And he was able to work with this part to help it realize that like there are other ways mm -hmm. to accomplish and that this behavior is kind of outdated. Like it's not necessary anymore. And, and he was able to help her like resolve the situation, but it wasn't through shame. It wasn't through guilt. It wasn't through making it wrong or bad. It was through like meeting it with understanding like compassion, like I understand why you're doing this because you care about her and you want her to stay alive. And that has shifted just that story that I've heard from him has, as someone who doesn't have any experience with cutting that shifted my whole perspective on it as a 
behavior and then also the self-destructive behaviors that I have engaged in in my life like it's helped me meet them from a less because shame and self-judgment and self-loathing is like that's what leads people to suicide like that's that those are to me those are the most powerful like hard emotions that there are is like shame well like with my shakes that I have I know that there's two different types you know there's one that looks like a seizure and according to the QEEG that may actually be a seizure but yet the doctors here you know they they said they don't understand QEEGs I'm like okay well you're you're a doctor That's a neuroquant, right like the is that quantitative quantitative EEG okay yeah and um but you know the fact that the symptoms that I have where I'll actually look like I'm having a stroke I'll lose my facial droop my arm will go and it's all with the pain in the head you know if I have pain in one way, in one spot of my head, my tongue will flip the opposite direction, you know, and it's all classic stroke signs. And once all the pain goes through the head, then I'm fine again. My physical therapist, Mark, Dr. Meyer, you know, Dr. Lyons that I'm working with, you know, they've all been trying to figure out what exactly is happening. And I did get one MRI where they showed that the perfusion in the white matter was off, but they waited long enough to read to do the MRI that I had started to get my speech back and then they're like oh it's okay I'm like well what happened over there though that the perfusion was off and I lost my speech for eight hours you know what what happened there you know and it's like I'm, I'm still trying to find somebody who's willing to really take a look and figure out I know that the whiplash obviously played a big part of that um, but you know, what, what happened, you know, like, like the physical therapist, he can move, just move my head in a certain direction and I'll start having loss of speech, you know, and then he'll put me back into traction and it's, I'm okay again. You know, what, what makes the traction help so much? And, you know, they don't know, but because they don't know it's, oh, it's all in your head. And, um, so I'm hoping someday somebody's going to be because I cannot possibly be the only one in fact I know I'm not because the one neurologist I went to see she says oh I've seen a lot of people with this after car accidents and she says and it's, it's all psychosomatic I'm like how can that many people have the same issues and the same it's just because they don't symptoms. know how to fix it That's and why they just, they'll say Anytime I see a doctor resort to that, it's just, they, they could substitute that with, I'm sorry, I don't know how to solve this problem and we don't understand why it's happening. And they could well, just say that. Well, she went a step further though, because she stopped herself and she says, well, it could be. And then she says, well, I've never seen it, so it can't be possible. And I'm like, yeah. really? So Nobody's you know ever seen everything. anything until it's possible. Like that's just a general law of how what possible means. Right. So um, like everything was impossible until the first time somebody saw it. Right. So man, that's, yeah, but you're, I mean, I can just tell your energy is not what you've described it was before. Like you seem oh, no. like you're, you're enjoying the journey a little bit now and kind of, it seems like you, you mentioned at the end of what you shared with us that you hope to help other people at some point to go through some of these things like that you're 
you potentially have the ambition of, I don't know what that meant, but that's what it said in there. Like if you're interested in like working as a coach in some capacity or like just being someone who shares information, but I've seen that so much in this world of health and healing and wellness is most of the, the people out there doing the work. It's because they went through something that forced them to do it. And then they learn all these things. And then it's like, well, everybody needs to know this. And you want to find the other people that are the people that your neurologist said that, that you know, and, and get them together in a group and share, you know, what's going on because I mean, why not? <laughs> like, <laughs> how, how keep it to yourself? Like, why, you know what I mean? Like, right. so do you have some ambition to do stuff like that? I would love to be able to work with, with people and I guess just sharing what I know and what I've learned and to just, you know, being there for people because so many of us don't feel like there's anybody there. You know, they don't want to be told again that it's just in their head when they know it's not. And um, so, yeah, I would, I would love to be a coach or be. Sounds like a book in there somewhere. I love writing. My mom oh. told me once, she says, when you were born, you were born on TV. She says, so you, you've got something. Something's you were born gonna... on TV? Yeah, my, the doctor was being followed around that day. It was the anniversary or something. And I happened to be born. Oh, and so wow. they actually videoed it. And it was played on one of the local channels up here. So it was, she says, she says, it was just, people didn't realize she was pregnant. And then they're like, you were on TV. <laughs> and she's like, you have a daughter. <laughs> but yeah, that was a surprise that they didn't realize was going to happen. But wow. so she okay. says that was meant for something. Yeah, something well, good was supposed to come out of it. Sounds like a book to me. Like being seen or being understood or having somebody there with you, it can be like physically another person in the room, or it can be listening to someone's story like this or reading a book. Like I know when I've read books or listened to interviews or anything, and I come across somebody that I can like really relate to their story, mm -hmm. it has that effect. Even though I haven't met them, I haven't talked to them. They don't know I exist. I just read their book or whatever it there's it chips away at that feeling of being alone mm -hmm. and I think that when science finally catches up with reality a little bit they're going to realize how catastrophic that feeling of being alone is to our physiology like that isolation and that aloneness and how powerful it is when we chip away at it like how you felt when you left the doctor's office the first time and we're like I have somebody that's in my corner I have an advocate I have somebody who just sat there and listened to me for two hours like I, I remember my first experience with a practitioner that like spent 90 minutes with us when my wife was sick or two hours or something and it's like oh wow like this person really cares if I get better like they're gonna go to bat for me like they're in my corner and that is just huge like that happens like there were changes to your physiology then and you hadn't even started doing the things yet like that it and that's that's the one thing with dr meyer even now after all these years you know he if he finds something that he thinks is would be interesting for me he sends it to me you know just like finding you guys you know he thought the autoimmune would be good for me to learn about since i do have you know the hypothyroid and everything and so he sent it to me and, you know, when I go there, you know, I was there a couple of weeks ago and, you know, he's like, oh, you got to look at this. 
I read this today, you know, or I read this and knowing that he believes in me, I guess you could say that he knows that I can handle this. I can get better. I can learn how to handle things. It makes me feel like, you know, I, I can do this. You know, he gives that little positive push that I don't think he even realized he does. That's yeah. You doing the things is half the thing and him being there in that way is half the thing as well. Like it's just so powerful. And um, hopefully hearing your story is going to be that thing for some people that they hear today. And so um, just knowing that if you find yourself finding yourself in this, this hopeless situation, like there's ways through it and there's ways out of it and things can shift and things can change. Like, um, I'm sure you now would have some words for you six years ago that would be and me I, I know personally that me in my worst times uh, would probably not listen to now me anyway but just meeting that part of us and that that period of our life with like compassion and being like man that was really hard mm-hmm. and and here we are and so I'm glad that you found your way and I'm happy that you're part of our community and I'm grateful that you decided to share your story. I know that I spend a lot of time on webinars and podcasts and interviews and videos and things. So I forget that this is a big deal. Like, you know, I've never done this before. Neither have a whole lot of people. And it's powerful to do it. It's powerful to share. It's powerful to be heard and be seen. And I think you did a great job. And um, this is exactly what people need to hear. So thank you and thank you for everything you do because i i did read your your bio that you had written a while back and everything so i knew you would kind of understand different things different aspects because you've been there you're the rebel health tribe and everything that you guys do gives people a lot of hope and a lot of knowledge so thank you for all of that awesome well thank you stick around be be part of our community and and don't be a stranger and everybody out there just keep moving keep going keep looking there's there's answers out there and we'll do what we can to help you find them so thank you so much melissa it's been great to chat with you and i appreciate it and i'm really grateful and best wishes and please send me your doctor's information i'd love to chat with him okay i will do thank you we'll get him on a master class <laughs> all right well thank you so much rebelhealthtribe.com backslash kit to access the RHT Quick Start Bundle, which includes four full-length presentations from our RHT masterclasses, two downloadable PDF guides, and a 15% off coupon, which you can use in our retail shop. If you're on Facebook, come join our Rebel Health Tribe group over there. And finally, if you like the show, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon.